This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host Terry Gregg. More than 320 lives have been lost to homicide in Philadelphia this year, and there have been more than 12 hundred shootings. If we look at the individuals traumatized by this violence or other forms of violence in and throughout the city, it's easy to say that community healing is definitely needed. Well, one Philadelphia-based therapist is using music culture, and I won't give it all away here, y'all, but he's using it to create a trauma-informed intervention that is designed to help urban communities. With me in the studio to discuss his innovative approach is Ronald Crawford. Ronald, welcome to Flashpoint. Hi, thanks for having me. So you're using hip-hop music. I had to say it. I mm, wanted to say it first. You're using okay. hip-hop to promote healing. Explain your theory on how this works. Well, um, a lot of the members that I work with, a lot of the people that I work with are members of the hip-hop culture. Mm. And that their values, their behavior, their language, and their taste is influenced by hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that um, I engage this group is I make therapy more interesting or more relatable. And I do that because if you know, people of color are the most resistant people to treatment or therapy. Yeah. 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 And so let's just back it up a little bit. Uh, you implemented this idea last year for the first time, 2017. Well, I've been doing it for a while, but um, one of the more publicized events that I did was in 2017. So, and so what made you say, you know what, I want to, this is something that we need to do and I need to bring this music in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a therapist for the past 18 years. Mm-hmm. And in that time I've learned that, like I said before, people of color are the most likely to avoid therapy and they're the least likely to complete it. And a lot of that has to do with the stigma of having a mental health challenge. Uh, I don't want to say the media, but the media portrays those with mental health challenges as people who are crazy people who are unstable, people who can't take care of themselves. So if you have a mental health challenge, you're not going to seek treatment. You don't want too many people to know. You don't want to seem weak. You don't want to seem crazy. So um, one of the things that I did as a therapist, um, I think I developed this, well, I started using hip-hop in my therapy practice when I was a GED teacher. And years ago, I was working with young people, and I was we were working with, I think, reading. And I was having them read Shakespeare. And Shakespeare is tough. Oh, it's yeah. difficult. So what I did, um, I became creative in my way of engaging my students. And I brought in lyrics from Jay-Z and Nas. And as a result, you know, we started talking about metaphor, simile, you know, comprehension, alliteration, concepts of poetry. And people were getting it. So I thought I was on to something. So um, it was about that time, about 10 years ago, um, I wrote a book titled Who's the Best Rapper, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas, where I use an analysis of rap lyrics to teach social skills. Wow. And I saw that book right now. Paperback goes for $200. Know, you need to I send know, them another You need to send them another batch <laughs> of books, brother. Like, what? Um, and so, you know, what did you find? So you bring in these lyrics, something that people can relate to, right. something they're interested in, right. something that they know about and that something, they understand. Absolutely. And there, that is the carrot that brings them into this world of therapy. Right. And it and it allows me um because when people think about using therapy or rap lyrics in therapy, they talk about how hip hop culture tends to glamorize violence, misogyny, and, and it does. 
you know, um, it, it, it glamorizes drug use. Um, but when you get people who know these songs and they've developed these values, in therapy you get an opportunity to challenge them. Yeah. Why do you feel this way? Um, why do you like this? And what I've been doing recently a lot of um, is I've been able to ask people about their values about um, the use of opioids. Mm. Because some of the more famous Percocets. rap artists right now, right, they glamorize the use of uh, narcotic pain pills. And a lot of young and impressionable people who like this music don't know that 80% of heroin users started their abuse of heroin using prescription pain pills like Percocet and Vicodin. Yeah, this idea of the rich junkie is right, right. Uh, pervasive right. in in hip-hop culture right, right now. You it see is. some of the most famous rappers uh, wearing, you know, diamonds on their necks mm-hmm. and d- designer outfits mm-hmm. and driving fancy mm-hmm. cars, uh, gold in their mouth, but then they're high as a kite mm-hmm. with lean in their hand mm-hmm. and pills all around. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the, that's the epitome of what a, a, a rich junkie is. Hey, I agree. I agree. And, and, so, and they're dying, too. Mac Miller just died Yeah, recently, a little while ago. Other people have died. Um, ASAP Yams. He died. Um, a lot of people are dying. Um, I happen to think that um, and this seizures kinda, and people who have gone. I mean, I know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Lil Wayne went right. had seizures and right. ended up hospitalized right. from it. So it's right. not like you know mm-hmm. things are really happening. So you take this music, you take and you separate. So you you take the music. It's they're separated from it, and you analyze it, and you show through. I guess through the music, what some of the issues are, or how do you how do you use the music? Well, um. Using the music is one part of hip-hop therapy or hip-hop psychoed. But using the music, um, analyzing the themes in the music gives you an opportunity to, you know, get people to talk about them and, and, and challenge them. You know, do you know that, you know, using lean will result in you using heroin or could result in you using I mean, do you know that? I mean, do you think that's cool? Is that something that, you know, you know you're, you're celebrating? Mm-hmm. Usually the answer is no. A lot of times people don't know. That, you know, I didn't know lean was an opioid. And I didn't know that most opioids lead to heroin use. When you realize that you can't afford the opioid that you're using, and then somebody tells you when you're physically sick that you can get a $5 bag of heroin that's less expensive than a Perk 30 and more potent. So now you have a a whole new habit. Yeah. And so tell me how this works. You have a big room of people. I've seen some video that you bring people in here, use the music. And what's happening in the room? Um, it's like a group therapy session mm-hmm. where people are allowed to express their feelings, um, express their concerns. In this particular event, it's a town hall that's going to be addressing some violence that happened in West Philadelphia a little while ago. And so tell me a little bit about that. Um, I forgot the specific incident, but three young people were shot. Mm-hmm. Um, two people that were running were shot at. They were the intended victims. And one little boy who was eight years old was shot yeah. in the face mm-hmm. because the bullet traveled through a wall. So, you know, I thought that was sad because, you know, the young young guy was in the house doing what he was supposed to do, watching TV, playing videos or whatever. And the violence reached him. Yeah. So it can't escape it. And and I want to talk about this issue because so you're going to have this town hall because that incident is traumatic, not just mm-hmm. for the individuals who were shot, mm-hmm. Because I don't think people understand even like, oh, no, I, well, my family wasn't impacted. But it's still traumatic to, to live on that block, right. to hear that maybe your neighbor 
or somebody you knew or your eight-year-old kid that was their classmate. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. That trauma touches so mm-hmm. many people. Could you talk about the impact and the far reach of trauma when you talk about a shooting like that that impacted somebody so young? Sure. Um, people don't even understand that um, trauma impacts people in so many different ways. Um, young people who are impacted by trauma have a foreshortened view of life or have a foreshortened life expectancy. They don't expect to live past 25. Mm. And you got to understand that when you don't expect to live past 25, you go hard. You take risks that you wouldn't take if you were trying to live to 60. Does that make sense? Um, Another thing that happens when people experience trauma is that they experience um, exaggerated startle response. And that's similar to a war veteran coming home and hearing a car backfire. So PTSD. Right. Well, that's that's what the trauma is. It's post-traumatic stress syndrome. And um, it results in people having bad dreams, Mm. people being unable to sleep, people being scared all the time, people being hypervigilant, which meant that, you know, they're very, very easily agitated, you know. And if you fear that most situations are threatening, you kind of like get into a, uh, it's called fight or flight. Mm. So you over-exaggerate, you know, a lot of situations. And because people in urban communities have difficulty expressing anger and responding to conflict safely, a lot of violence results from that. You know, a lot of violence results from very minor incidents that just keep escalating because people don't have the ability to resolve conflict. And so let's slow this down for some of our listeners. See, this means that, you know, if people who are traumatized you could step on their toe Absolutely. and they might pull a gun out and shoot you. Absolutely. And it's not because they're particularly violent, but they've been Absolutely. they've seen people get shot in front of them. They may have lost a family member. They may have been attacked themselves. And all of this is sort of their protection of themselves from that type of incident happening again. I'll go you one further. Yeah. Imagine being stopped by the police. As soon as you're stopped by the police, if you've been traumatized by all of the history of the way black people are treated by police. You're automatically on guard. If you're if you've been inundated by the video of black people being killed and beaten by police, when police officers just want to stop you and see your ID, that can escalate yeah. in a very, very dangerous, dangerous way. And you can be traumatized by video, I guess, Absolutely. seeing this and hearing Absolutely. this, just Absolutely. hearing the gunshots outside. Absolutely. And so all of this. And so tell me how. So you bring hip hop in and just the talking about it. How did this because people don't realize it changes your brain. Like, we've done shows on this on Flashpoint that trauma actually changes your brain, but you're able to heal that. Yes, um, through talk therapy. Now, um, I don't get that deep into therapy only because the people that I work with don't do therapy. So I do sort of like an introduction to therapy. Mm. And let me explain how that is. There are some very extensive therapeutic models to deal with trauma. Mm. Um, Prolonged exposure, exposure. Rapid eye movement, EMDR, I think it's called. Um, Have you met people in the community who are that seriously traumatized? Yes. But the people that I work with, they would be reluctant to go to that level of therapy Mm -hmm. because they can't do basic therapy. And let me explain that to you. People of color, a lot of men in this society, we lack the skills to function in therapy. And what I mean is in order to function in therapy, you have to have certain skills. You have to be able to, one, admit there's a problem. Mm -hmm. You have to ask for help. Mm. You have to know how to identify feelings. You have to know how to express feelings. You may need to cry every now and then. And you need to know how to demonstrate positive interaction. 
all of those skills are discouraged in disorganized neighborhoods and in correctional facilities. You're taught, you know, not to talk to people, not to trust people. Nothing's ever wrong. You have people, you know, men driving around lost for three hours, won't ask for help. You know, it's nothing wrong with me. Uh, we're taught to be self-sufficient. Um, so everything you need to do well in therapy, we don't know how to do. So what I do in therapy is I teach those basic skills. It's called role induction or pre-therapy mm. where I teach people where it's cool to express feelings. You know, it's cool to cry. You know, um, I've been fortunate in that I work with a lot of guys who are returning citizens. So when I work with them and they start talking about being afraid, being, being, being afraid that they can't make it out on the streets after they come home from jail, being afraid of people bothering them and them being unable to respond because they're on probation and they don't want to go back to jail, um, being sad that their children don't respect them because they've been gone. Now, these are guys who are not scary guys. These have got these are guys who, who will fight you. These are guys who have dealt these with are guns. Not right. Yeah. I don't want to say that. These are yeah. these are guys. Now when these guys stand up in front of a, a room and express feelings like this and cry and get vulnerable, that gives other people the courage that, hey, I can do it too, you know. And so you do all of this by bringing music into the game. Yes. Yes. Bring so- yeah. So give me an example. So so t- tell me, walk me through, give me like a two, you know, a minute example of, you know, I use this lyric or I use this song and we were able to, you know, somebody mm-hmm. identify what mm-hmm. was said and, and, and whatever. And I'll take you to another another thing that I do with hip hop therapy or hip hop cycle yeah. is I engage members of the hip hop culture in a way where I educate them about their psychological needs. Uh-huh. So it's not about always listening to music. Because there are members of the hip-hop culture who don't like rap music. So it's not always about the music. So I got to look at things that are specific to their culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, um, statistically, people in urban areas live in single-parent households. Mm. So one of the things I do just to get a feeling um, is I ask people, how many people don't have good relationships with their dad? And almost everybody in the room raises their hand. So there are a lot of songs, a ton of songs that... Rap artists rap about not having a good relationship with their father. Oh, my God. My next book, or well, not my next, um, my, I have a book. My next book coming out the beginning of the next year is called Hip Hop Ain't Dead. It's just been traumatized. Yeah. I have another book after that, Hip Hop Ain't Dead. It's just fatherless. So um, there are, are tons of lyrics where rap artists talk about not having fathers. And some of the songs that I use that are my favorite uh, Jay-Z and Benny Siegel got a song, um, Where Have You Been, mm-hmm. um, where it talks about um, not having a dad and growing up and learning how to do everything on my own and using drugs to deal with the pain of not having my dad. So um, fatherlessness is one of the things that I deal with um, in therapy and in hip-hop therapy, and I use music to help me that, help me do that. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, one of my young my youngest brother is a is an artist. He well now he's like a promoter in okay. Washington DC area and he does underground. He promotes okay. underground artists who are breaking. Mm-hmm. And this one young guy, he calls himself Knucklehead. And mm-hmm. we had a whole discussion about this and hearing his the interview with this young man who has tattoos all over his face. It was Eye-opening to me because this young man was in such pain. He had been in 19 foster homes. 
Right. His he had found out as a teenager that he had had multiple siblings that had been murdered Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and finding out, number one, he thought he was alone. But then to find out you have siblings and then to find out after they've already been murdered Mm -hmm. to the pain in this young man's face. Mm -hmm. But his music was misogynistic. His music was violent. His music was all these things. But but. He it was based in trauma, like mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. he had. This he had been repeatedly traumatized his entire life, right. and no wonder he called himself knucklehead right. because somebody probably was calling him that growing up, wow. and and no wonder he he was ready to hurt anybody because he never he had no support, he right. had no love. Right. Mama wasn't right. dead, daddy was gone, right. brothers murdered. Wow. And he was a teenager. He's an older teenager. But mm-hmm. can you imagine? And and it's, instead of like, I didn't criticize. I was like, dude, like he's in pain. This mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. this. His music is a sign of pain. It is not a sign that he's some evil person who's ready to shoot. A, this is this is a response to uh, trauma that he experienced for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I suspect that that's sort of what you you know, like, you know, people coming out of, of prisons, the reason why they went in was because they was probably traumatized Absolutely. or experienced some form of trauma, Absolutely. had a hypervigilant response, ended up in some situation and locked up or whatever. And now they're trying to fix themselves. And then further traumatized once they got incarcerated because of the things that they've yeah. seen and experienced while they were incarcerated. Yeah. It's, I, look. I believe everybody need to go to therapy. We need to eliminate the stigma. And we need to do we need to do more of this. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that um, I'm frustrated with, people come out and they do an event or they cover an event and then they're gone. Yeah. But um, therapy takes so long. Years because, sometimes. Right, well, I mean, you got to figure the way that people are when they come to therapy. They did not get that way in a matter of months. Took years to develop those coping skills. Negative coping skills. Yeah. So it's going to take years to kind of change them. So um, we just need to continue doing this. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to develop programming, whether it be office-based where I'll have my own office or program mm. or whether or not I'm teaching other clinicians. Because the reality of it is I've had family members who've come to me and could have used therapy but didn't get it because I wouldn't refer them to the places I work because I know we weren't doing good work. You know, I know we couldn't reach younger people. You know, I know we were doing, you using old methods. And um, one of the things that makes me an effective therapist is the fact that I grew up in North Philadelphia and I survived my experience of trauma. So, you know, exactly. I've experienced it for, um, and you're a child of hip hop. Yes. I'm a child of hip hop. Um, plus <laughs> I'm a person in recovery. Yeah. You know, I didn't get therapy um, when I was young. And then as a result, when I was around 19, I used drugs for about 10 years to self-medicate my pain. Mm-hmm. Um, 1990, I got clean, um, got therapy, went to rehab. And I haven't used drugs for a long time, like 28 years. But I understand those experiences allow people to identify with me more than they would a person with just educational experience and no lived experience there. right so tell me about your event so i can we can we okay. can mention that tell okay. me where people can go because they may want to they may know somebody it may drag a son or absolutely. a boyfriend or somebody absolutely um the event is going to be on wednesday december the 19th that's next week i think it is it's going to be at Cobbs creek recreation center which is at Cobbs creek parkway and spruce street mm-hmm. or 63rd and Spruce for those who live in West Philadelphia. Yeah. It's going to be from 6 to 8. 
And if you need to get in touch with me, uh, I can be reached at honesty.hurts. That's honesty, H-O-N-E-H-O-N-E-S-T-Y dot H-U-R-T-S at yahoo.com. Wonderful. And I just want to say, Ron, I, I really enjoy talking to you. Thanks. You know, anytime we can bring healing to the community that needs it so desperately, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. And so um, check him out, honesty.hurts at yahoo.com. Email him uh, December 19th at Cobbs Creek uh, Recreational Center, mm-hmm. uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Um, this is all about community healing. This is all about dealing with trauma. And you Get to talk about music and music mm-hmm. lyrics that you mm-hmm. understand and that you know about. And I just want to plug your book. Check it out. Uh, you can probably get it in another way that's not $200. <laughs> it's called Who's the Best Rapper, Biggie, Jay-Z, or Nas? Ron Crawford, thanks so much for being on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thanks for having me. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 930 p.m. on Saturdays. And Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. You can find us on the Radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast flat, uh, platform. All you got to do is search Flashpoint KYW. And if there's something in your community that has you hot under the collar, let us know. And we'll walk you through the flames. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. Mine is Cherry Greg. And thank you because you're a part of the Flashpoint fam. So we really appreciate you listening and subscribing to our podcast. We work really hard and we really, really care about the community. So until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Thanks for listening.